Welcome to the FCBC NYC podcast. We're so thankful that you decided to join us in this moment and in this season in your life. Our prayer is that this podcast will be a catalyst for conversion and transformation and that you will be inspired and renewed in such a tremendous way that your desire will be to be your best for God. Again, thank you for listening, and we're excited to see what is next in your life. We are ever-evolving. Called to live, commanded to love, and commissioned to serve. And out of that, we have three powerful core values here at FCBC. Three words. What are they, family? Live, love, serve. Live, love, serve. Amen. Good. We are in our uh, It's Bigger Than You series. That's our theme for the year. It's part of the Be Human movement that we've uh, begun here at FCBC. And it's important for us. Last week, both services, we talked about courage. And this week, we're going to talk about uh, something else. But for me, I, I really believe that God has called me, but not just me, all of us, to be part of this movement. There has to be people and persons, but then people, who believe that this world can change for the better. There's enough that can cause us to be pessimistic and for some even nihilistic. But I believe in the power of transformation, God's power to transcend, transform, and redeem this world. Too many people are suffering and too many people are hurting and creation is waiting for us to come to an awareness of who God has called us to be. So I'm enlisting everybody who's here and those who are the FCBC community beyond these walls to really be part of changing this world. It makes no sense to worship the God we worship, to claim to be a disciple and not believe in world-changing power. If a carpenter can do it, so can we. If fishermen can do it, so can we. We have to believe in that power, and that means that we have to realize that this movement, this season, this work is bigger than us as individuals. God has gifted you, empowered you, enabled you, but not just for you. It's bigger than you. Amen? Good, good. So let's turn to the book of Jeremiah. I'm going to read in the New Revised Standard Version and the Message Bible. That don't mean sit down. Y'all just aching to sit down. No, stand back up, y'all. Y'all visiting for this. Get up. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, no, no. Y'all stand in line for, for dinner, stand in line because this is five more minutes. When in Rome, do as we do. Jeremiah, we'll be down in a minute. Jeremiah 1, verses 4 through 8. And we stand in this moment in solidarity as an act of reverence even to God. Jeremiah 1, 4 through 8. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, ah, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. In the Message Bible, it reads like this. This is what God said. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of the day, I had holy plans for you. 
a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. But I said, hold it, Master God. Look at me. I don't know anything. I'm only a boy. God told me, don't say I'm only a boy. I'll tell you where to go and you'll go there. I'll tell you what to say and you'll say that. Don't be afraid of a soul. I'll be right there looking after you. God's decree. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, we bless your name on today and we honor you for this opportunity, oh God, to worship and celebrate, God, who you are in our lives. Now, oh God, let your word go to work on our spirits, oh God. Saturate us with your presence, oh God, and let your grace, mercy, love abide. God, you've been amazing. Just this week, oh God, you reminded us of how amazing you are. And we stand here right now because we know you've made a way, oh God. God, we love you and we thank you and we honor you. And it's in your name, oh God, we pray. And we say amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap praise as you take your seat today. This, this moment in Jeremiah's journey speaks to, I believe, all of us in some way or shape. This moment in his journey speaks to who God has called us all to be. Jeremiah is receiving this tremendous call from God with words that are overpowering and overwhelming. God said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and appointed you, consecrated you, appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. Can you imagine hearing that word from God? There have been times I know in my own life as a pastor, as a believer, that I've had words that God has spoken to me and God made it clear that that word was not for you. That God was giving me that word for somebody else, to push somebody else, to encourage somebody else. But in those moments, that was a one-on-one -on -one exchange. But here, God is telling Jeremiah, you are going to be a prophet to the nations. To the nations. One person given this daunting and overwhelming task. This is what God often does, I find, that when God has these profound assignments that God places above us, that often it is overwhelming. And it can be overpowering. The idea that God would look upon us, even in those moments when we don't have the desire to look upon ourselves and to think that somehow God could use us in significant ways to reach and transform and impact other lives. Here we are still struggling along our way, trying to make sense of our own journeys. And in the midst of our struggling and trying to make sense of our lives, God says, by the way, I need you to do something. That's the thing that blows my mind, that, that there's some of us who actually believe or have been told that God uses those who are prepared, those who've lived certain lives, or those who we think are worthy of high calls. But oftentimes, a sign that God is doing something unusual but also powerful is when what God speaks is so overwhelming and so overpowering 
Your first response is not to celebrate that God has even seen you, recognizes you, or calls you. It is our response where we say, God, are you sure you got the right one? When you think about your life and the things we've done, the things we should have done and could have done and the ways we've lived at times, we even wonder if God is even thinking about us. Especially when you've grown up in environments where people make you believe that God only deals with righteous people or those who are saved or those who are sanctified and those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are the only ones that God can use. But when I read the scripture, I see a bounty of stories where God often calls those whose first response is not overwhelming joy or celebration. It is overwhelming feelings of inadequacy. Not me, God. You have to have the wrong one. I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. I don't have the right pedigree. I don't have the right background. I don't come from a good family. I come from a broken home. I never had both parents. I don't even know my father or my mother. I was orphaned and abandoned as a little child. I didn't get to complete school. I don't even have a high school diploma. We make all these excuses as to why God must have made a mistake. But even before God tells Jeremiah what God wants Jeremiah to do, he starts with something that is designed, I think, to assuage what may rise as excuses. He says, before you were shaped in your mother's womb, I knew you. Now, let me pause for a second because the danger here, and we often do it with scripture, is that we try to take a particular situation and too rapidly universalize it, and we think it's applicable to everyone. God does not utter this kind of call to every prophet in scripture. Everyone who encounters God is not called the same way. But God is speaking to Jeremiah and letting Jeremiah know that I knew you and I had ideas and plans for you before you were shaped completely in your mother's womb. I appointed you. I consecrated you. I set you apart to do this great task, Jeremiah's call. It does not come that way for everybody. And in fact, some have taken this passage to be a kind of theological launching pad for predestination and things were preordained. That means that God knew from the get-go. But it's the only time with all the prophets of all the characters where God makes this clear. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you and I appointed you for this great assignment. And Jeremiah does, which for many of us is a powerful response, powerful because it is shaped and filled with fear and trepidation and anxiety. He said, no, God, not me. Here's the excuse. I'm a boy. I'm just a boy. There's nothing significant, nothing profound. Why would you choose me? I can't tell you how many of us in here today have been burdened by those feelings of inadequacy. Somewhere along our journey, they were birthed, not at our birthing, but when someone reimagined us in their own inferior self-image. Oh, I want you to hear this today. No child is born feeling a sense of self-doubt. Not one person in here was born doubting yourself. I said this morning, when you were a child, you were one of the most fearless people that ever existed. You have to teach children to calm down. 
You have to teach children to stop being so risky and taking chances because in their minds, they don't understand consequences for risky behavior. And when someone started teaching you to doubt yourself, it grew and festered and festered and grew to a point where you're afraid to do anything now because you accepted what was told to you. It wasn't done with ill intent, but somehow it grew in your spirit and you started doubting anything you could do. Oh, I know I'm talking to somebody here today. You try to hide and in fact, you either hide or you do the polar opposite, which is you are overcompensating for your self-doubt. But I know you're here today. All of us in here in some way, shape or form have been burdened by self-doubt at some point in our journeys. And that self-doubt is frustrating because the truth is you don't plan necessarily to undermine your own ambition. You don't necessarily plan to hinder your own progress. But just when you're at the cusp of something profound happening, self-doubt creeps in. Some people say self-confidence is the key to success. And I said this morning, if self-confidence is the key to success, that means self-doubt is the key to destruction. It is the thing that has stopped many of us in here dead in our steps from moving forward. Those feelings that we're not good enough, not worthy enough, not valued enough. We know what that feels like. But here's what I also know. If someone taught you to doubt you, then you can unlearn how to doubt you. If it was taught, it can be unlearned. And here's a cycle. You learn, you unlearn, and you relearn. But you relearn in a way that bolsters your confidence and your courage, that inspires the best of who you are, not the worst of who you are. And there's some of us in here today who need to unlearn some negative uh, thoughts and negative practices that reinforce how you doubt yourself and how you feel inadequate. And I know you're here and I'm going to keep saying that because sometimes we try to shroud it and cover it and hide it. But nobody would even know you sit next to one of the biggest doubters in the world. Where you couldn't blame anybody else but yourself. You couldn't hold anyone else accountable but yourself. Even living a life, living a life hampered by your own self-doubt. What has doubt done to your disposition? What has your self-doubt done to your spirit, to your soul? What has it caused to die in you? How many dreams were lost on the shores of your self-doubt? How many aspirations were assassinated by your doubt? How many hopes you had for your life were cut short by your doubt? Because you felt inadequate, ill-equipped, ill-prepared. Well... I want to say a few things this morning that I think and I hope will help you. This morning I gave them three things. I'm going to give y'all six because y'all later. <laughs> here, here are some things I think in keys to overcoming self-doubt. And then I'm, I'm, I'm going to be done. Here's the first thing. Stop getting caught in the comparison trap. Start right there. A lot of self-doubt that is rising in us is because we're busy comparing ourselves 
to other people. We are so fixated on what other people are doing and what other people have and what other people have accomplished that sometimes we miss our moments for our own majestic breakthrough. How many of us in here today have been guilty of that? I need some truth tellers today. See, 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 see. When you're looking at other people's success, other people's achievements, other people's ambitions, and what's worst of all is especially when you know the people and y'all came up together. That's, that's, that's the most painful. Went to the same school, went to the same place, lived on the same block, lived in the same building, and yet something is not happening. You're moving along in your career, your success, in your life, but you're not moving at a pace that other people are moving, and you start comparing yourself because you're not where you think you should be based on looking at other people's achievements and arrivals, and you think that somehow your rival has been, has been cut short. Now, the deep thing, and let me pause and inject this, inject this part. I said this this morning. What if this possibility, what if the reason why you're not moving along as fast as you think in comparison to other people is because you're doing the wrong thing? What if you're in a place, in a space that you're not supposed to be? What if you actually are doing what you're doing now because you collapse into a place of comfort and ease instead of tapping into your gifts and your power? What if you're doing the easy thing, following the easy road, because the road less travels actually the road you were created for, but you're afraid of what may happen if things don't work out. Yeah. And so you rather live beneath your abilities, beneath your capabilities, beneath your calling, your power, your empowerment, so that you can feel comfortable where you are. And then all of a sudden, you want to do more, but you've already made bedfellows with mediocrity. Oh. You cannot move forward anymore. What if that's the cause? What if the reason why you're not moving, accelerating, is because you're trying to accelerate in the space you were not birthed for? Because the worst thing in the world is to try to put on garments that do not belong to you. To walk in a space that you were not created for. Maybe, maybe you've been comparing yourself, and what if this, what if this is the issue? What if you've been busy comparing yourself, and the truth is God made you incomparable? Oh, y'all missed that. You can't compare yourself because there's nothing to compare against your uniqueness. That you are so sanctified in your uniqueness, it is a waste of time. Any comparison would be a lessening of who you are. Oh, yes. That's the first thing. Part of the reason that makes it hard to overcome self-doubt is because we are trapped or caught in the comparison trap. So I'm going to give this second one to you in two ways. I hope you're getting all this. Stop overthinking people's opinions. Ah, it's going to be real simple today. Stop overthinking. Oh, let me pull back. I did this this morning. I almost forgot. It's not even people's opinions you're overthinking. You're overthinking that people are actually thinking about you. you. You ain't even got to their opinions yet. You're busy concerned with what they think. Look, I'm, I'm going to be 49 years old in a few months. <sighs> I mean, 49 years old. And, and it took me a long time. It took me a long time, Kendra, to realize this. Most folks don't even care what you're doing. Part of your fixation and your overthinking is, steaming, is stemming from your narcissism. You actually think that somebody else woke up with you on their mind in such a way, they're thinking about you all day long. No. Ain't no look, ain't nobody thinking about you. Not in a negative way, but No. But you overthinking as somebody else is thinking about you and you ain't even got to their opinions yet. Because in the second part of that is why are you busy overthinking other opinions of people, opinions about you. And the truth is they don't even know you well enough to have a good thought about you. Oh. Oh. My bad. Ain't nothing worse 
when the opinions come from people we actually love. Because it's dangerous when the people we love turn out to be the people we loathe. Because of their toxic opinions. Ain't nothing worse than using all your energy to convince somebody who's supposed to love you to love you for real. Who find themselves always filling your space with negative and toxic ideas and opinions. And I know it's hard to imagine, but you got to tell the truth. There are some people close to you who can't stand you. Don't nobody want to say it. Thank you for that. I know it. I'm going to say it right now. Can't stand you. You always cheerful. You always bubbly. You always come what God can do. You always come out the best is yet to come. My breakthrough is on the way. That car made a way. And they sick of it. They don't tell you, but they want, I wish she would just shut up and stop talking about, but you got to help some folks. The reason why you can't stop talking about who God is, is because you know what the scriptures say. And you got to tell some folks, the reason why I cannot stop talking about what God is up to me, because I do not want to let a rock speak my testimony. All right. Third, here's how you overcome self-doubt. You ready for this? You got to flip those moments of self-doubt. Flip it. Instead of believing doubt, doubt doubt. It ain't even hard. Doubt the self-doubting thoughts that have crept in your conscience that were birthed by somebody else. Doubt it. Who told you you're obligated to believe what they say about you? Who told you that you are obligated to believe what is said about you? Yeah, y'all missed that. Let me hear y'all. Who told you you are obligated to believe what folks say about you? Uh, the only way you believe it is if you're not clear about you in the first place. My buying into your negative propaganda is because I don't got no positive propaganda to speak into my own spirit. Doubt, doubt. Doubt what they say, especially when they don't know you. Doubt how they feel about you, especially when they don't know you. You doubt, doubt. Okay, let me hurry up. I'm on a Catholic thing this morning. I got six more minutes. Four. Make what you do bigger than you. See, if you know it ain't about you and that you're pouring your energy into something that's bigger than you, doubt gets defeated because you ain't by yourself. What I do is not just for me. My living ain't just for me. My loving ain't just for me. My serving ain't just for me. My worship ain't just for me. My praise ain't just for me. My shout ain't just for me. My dance ain't just for me. My testimony ain't just for me. Every time I open my mouth and declare anything that God has done in my life, it ain't just for me. Look at somebody tell them, it's for you. Come on, tell the other person, it's for you. So if you can't understand why I praise where I do, just remember, it's for you. I'm praising so that you can see there's no need to be ashamed when God has done things in your life. I'm part of something that's bigger than me. 
That's four. Hold on. Five is right next to it. Can I give you five real quick? Make sure that your crew believes in you. Oh, God. Oh, there it is. There, there it is. Make sure that you got a tribe of folk around you who believe in you. Stop making friends with folk who don't like you. Stop trying to pull folks, folk home who don't care about you. You trying to win folk over and they've already lost. And now and again, you got to tell folk who don't want to be around you, who don't value you, who don't see you. You know what? You miss something. Oh, God. You ever had that moment? We had to tell somebody you, you missed it. What? What did, that, what did I miss? Me? Because if, if you would have seen who I really am, you would have never let me out your sight. If you saw what God was really doing in my life, you would have never let me go. Every now and again, you got to say with confidence. And it don't matter if they think you're arrogant. You got to tell someone, you know what? I'm the best thing you ever had, ever saw, ever been around. Don't yell. Don't shout. Tell them you missed a good thing when you had it. Mm -mm. Look at somebody and tell them, I need folk in my corner. Yeah, I need some folk in my corner who when they see me sad, will pick me up. When they see me low, will prop me up. When they see me covering myself, will begin to speak words into my space. Ask somebody next to you, are you part of my crew? Yeah, I'm taking applications today. Cause you can't love me if you don't love yourself. You can't help me if you're afraid to help yourself. Here. People need to know this. And the problem right now is not just you. You made some bad choices. You let smooth words fool you. You let soft tones confuse you. You thought because they said the right thing, they knew the right thing and saw who you really were. No, you need a crew, a tribe, a folk around you. You know why? It's for number six. Because watch this. When you got a real crew, a tribe around you, here's what they'll tell you. Here's number six. They'll let you know setbacks are temporary. Oh. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, I need some folk around me. When they see me fall short, we'll be like, get back up. It ain't hard. Get up. Hold on. Here, here it is. Here it is. That's why you need to have some folk in your life who you're not afraid to be vulnerable with. Hear this. And transparent. Let me tell you why. When you can share with someone, right? When you can share with someone the things you struggle with, the things you wrestle with, when they've seen your hurts and your shortcomings and your missteps, but they've seen you rise every time, you need that person. So that the next time you start getting low or feeling down, 
them folk remind you yeah you've been here before and the last time I saw you come out of what you were in and if you I see you come out more than a few times and they need to be the ones remind you that you have a multiplicity of testimonies you gotta get big words I have a plethora of testimonies about what God has done in my life do me a favor I'm done y'all listen turn to your neighbor and tell him neighbor my name is Jeremiah come on turn to the next person tell him neighbor my name is Jeremiah that's why what you do to me don't stick that's why what you say to me don't last Tell him again, my name is Jeremiah. Turn to the other neighbor, tell neighbor, my name is Jeremiah. Well, let me tell you what it means since you asked. Jeremiah means exalted by God. You missed that. God has exalted. Okay, you missed that again, try it again. God has exalted. That's why you still standing. Because God has exalted you. That's why folks don't understand why you keep bouncing back. That's because God has exalted you. Tell them my name is Jeremiah. For every doubt, God has exalted me. For every rough patch, God has exalted me. Tell somebody, my name is Jeremiah. Oh my God, I wish I had somebody in here this morning. Look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, you thought you knew me, but that's before God lifted me up. My name is Jeremiah. Look at your neighbor and tell him, neighbor, I might be down right now, but God's about to pick me up. My name is Jeremiah. I am exalted. I am high and lifted up. God has picked me up. And is there anybody here today who can testify? And my name is Jeremiah. I don't know what your mama calls you, but today, when you're a lender and not a borrower, today, when you're the head and not the tail, my name is Jeremiah. I'm exalted by God. God, hold on. Every now and again, I'm done. You got to get to such a lofty place that when folk try to come near you, they catch a nosebleed. You missed that. That I'm so high where I am right now that you start losing consciousness trying to get to my level because my name is Jeremiah. I'm exalted by God. You are exalted by God. Don't let self-doubt destroy your journey. God said, don't worry about what they say, what they do. I'll be with you every step of the way. There's nothing more soothing and comforting than knowing 
that God is walking with you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, God knows my name. <laughs> tell somebody else, God knows. Thank you for listening to the FCBC NYC podcast. We hope that what you heard was informative and inspiring and in some way created a space for you to have a creative encounter with God. You can follow us on social media and on the internet at fcbcnyc.org. Please follow and also contribute. If you've been blessed by what you heard, support us financially that we may continue to offer these podcasts. Thank you again, and we look forward to you tuning back in in the future.